0: This is Viewpoint
1: with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer.
0: When God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said to them, I am. I am the God that heals you. I am. In fact, I am is the very name or designation by which God himself said he intended to be addressed and known. But what does it mean? I am. Well, apparently, as we read the rest of the scripture, we find out what it means. Over and over again, God says through his servants, the prophets, and through the apostles, and through Christ himself, I am. I am what? Well, I am your salvation. I am your deliverer. I am your shelter in the time of storm. I am your hope. I am your confidence. I am your banner. I am your healer. I am your provider. You notice the trend here? I am everything you need. One of the problems that we have today in our world is that the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world, the spirit of the Antichrist always wants to substitute something else for God as the I am. I have a question before you as we roll into today's program. Is there anything, any area of your life where you have shifted your confidence and shifted your trust to something other than the I am that is God? If there is, we need to deal with that right here today on Viewpoint. In fact, we deal with it every single day as we confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. In fact, the whole spirit of globalism, as you know, is about a counterfeit I am system. Shifting our trust from God to government. It's amazing. And it's in every single area of our lives, and we don't realize it. We're sucked into a maelstrom of uh, uh, either I become my own I am, the government becomes my I am, the uh, pharmaceutical companies become my I am, and we're discovering that none of these things are capable of being our I am yet we resort to them anyway. So what do you do then when you're in a situation, either you or a family member or someone else that you care for, and you find that they are struggling with a very serious physical problem? Who then is your I am? Is it Pfizer that we're proving to see is not an I am for anybody, but has defrauded many in the very claim to be our I am for deliverance from COVID. What do you look to for physical healing and deliverance? That's what we want to talk to talk about here today on viewpoint. Our special guest, Steve Austin joining us not from Austin, Texas, but from Houston. He's a very confused man because he claims to be an attorney, but he's coming to us as a pastor. Now, that is indeed a real problem uh, of confused identity. And yet the one, as you know, who is handling this radio program today also comes to you as a former trial attorney and teacher and also pastor and broadcaster. So sometimes God allows us to live in many, many different realms uh, to do and accomplish his purpose. And sometimes he even allows careful what i what i say here he even allows sickness to come into our lives but why is he actually causing sickness or is it the result of the fall in any event does god want to heal us does god want to heal you is he the same god today that he was in the days of the children of israel coming out of egypt when he declared i am the Lord that heals you. That's our focus here today on Viewpoint, and I welcome you aboard. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and it's conversation with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. And I trust that today will be no acceptance. Steve Austin joining us from Houston, Texas. God heals, he said. There are eight keys to defeating sickness and receiving divine healing. Steve, good to have you on the program.
1: Great to be with you, Chuck. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's uh, it's an interesting thing that a couple of attorneys would be talking about this. I remember when I was still practicing law in California, uh, I had been speaking throughout Southern California, translating the principles of the kingdom uh, uh, as a businessman and as a lawyer, And I remember a number of times when I was specifically asked to go and uh, minister someone in the hospital or in other situations and pray for them. And I remember particularly one situation where I was called to go into a hospital where the woman was said to have gangrene. Now, that's not a pretty picture, is it? Have you seen anybody with gangrene?
1: I have, and you're right. It's not a pretty picture.
0: It doesn't smell pretty either, does it? No, no. So I went into this room and here is a poor lady uh, laying in her bed. And uh <clears throat> I wish I could say that I had laid hands on her and she was immediately recovered, but it didn't work that way. As I walked into the room, of course, the, uh, the odor uh, was hardly able to be tolerated. And uh, as I spoke with her, I noticed her hands were all gnarled up, the worst gnarling I had ever seen in someone's hands. And I remembered the words of a doctor one time that oftentimes bitterness and unforgiveness leads to a kind of, uh, serious, serious arthritis that can wrap up your, your, your limbs and your, uh, your hands, your feet and so on. And so I asked the woman, I said, Uh, is there any area in your life uh, where you are holding resentment against someone, you refuse to forgive, and there was silence for a moment, and then she said, yes, I cannot and will not forgive my sister. I cannot and will not. And the more we talked, the more she resisted any hope for forgiveness. And I thought to myself, how is it that someone could be in the hospital wanting to be well and then refuse the most elementary things that God would have us to do, to be, and to resolve in order to be well. The Bible says that if we allow a root of bitterness to spring up into our lives, it will not only defile us, but defile everybody around us. Have you noticed this in your uh, round, rounds there in the major hospitals in uh, uh, Houston as a former practicing attorney now involved in uh, ministry?
1: Yes, I have, Chuck. I I have been ministering to the sick in, in the largest medical center in the world, which is the Texas Medical Center in Houston, uh-huh. for 25 years. Wow. And so o- over 25 years, I've ministered to literally thousands of sick people. And um, what you just said about unforgiveness is one of the biggest blocks to healing, hmm. Um you know, Jesus was very clear. He said, "If we don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will God forgive us our trespasses." And you know that that puts us in a very dangerous situation. It means we're not we're not in right standing with God. All right. So if and we're not
0: in right standing, now wait a minute. You just used a legal term, standing. Yeah. You got to have right yes. standing to go before the court. You got to have right standing to go before God. Maybe we should pick up on that as we talk about healing. God says, I am yes. the God that heals you, but are you ready for Him to heal you? We'll be right back. Steve Austin, our special guest. God is still the God that heals us, friends. In fact, the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that? Not just in theory, but do you believe it in reality? That God is still the healer, even in his very character. Can you trust him in that regard? Will you trust him? That's one of the big questions that we have before us here today on Viewpoint with our special guest, Steve Austin, and his book, God Heals. And I want to make the book available to you before we go further and I get carried away here uh, with uh, Steve as a former attorney, pastor now uh, of more than 25 years in uh, the largest medical center in the world. It's an $18 book, yours for $16, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. God heals. You can also call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling and we'll get it in your hands. By the way, if you notice that with the increase in postage, now the $5 is almost completely gobbled up, even for the smallest book. So uh, we're we're trying to survive in that regard. Please forgive us for having to do that, but we still have to ask you for $5. Okay, uh, Steve, what caused you? First of all, let me ask you, uh, because as a trial attorney, I have to qualify you as an expert witness. You understand that, right? So yes, uh, you practice law. How long did you practice law?
1: I practiced for eight years.
0: In okay. Houston. And uh, what was the area of your practice?
1: I was in probate law.
0: Dead, is, so uh, you this, practiced dead yes. law?
1: Correct. Uh-huh.
0: Among <laughs> dead, the dead.
1: Dead, pe- dead people and crazy people, yes. <laughs> so so uh, so dead people and those who were incapacitated mm-hmm. um you know guardianships and, and that kind of thing
0: so what caused you to uh kind of shift over was it an immediate thing uh that you shifted over and uh, began to uh practice shall we say god's law in uh, the hospitals there
1: yeah no it wasn't an immediate thing. I tell you, um, I had grown up in churches for the first 31 years of my life mm-hmm. that didn't teach anything about healing, um, didn't teach anything about faith. It was mainly, you know, liturgy and things things like that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a, a, a personal relationship with Jesus. So when I went off to college and law school, I kind of got away from the Lord and he didn't really have a lot of relevance in my life, mm-hmm. and so when I moved to Houston, um, I, I, you know, I really decided that I wanted to get back to the Lord. I realized how empty the world was, and I wanted to rededicate my life to the Lord. And um, but I still didn't know anything about healing, and so one day my brother-in-law invited me to a Christian businessman's fellowship.
0: Oh, CBMC. And, yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, I uh, yes. was the chairman of a CBMC chapter in uh, Pasadena, California, for 10 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes.
1: So, so I went to this meeting, and it was a luncheon, and the speaker that day was a short-term missionary who went around the world Holding healing crusades, Hmm. and he had just gotten back from one of his trips, and he was describing all the miracles that had taken place at his crusade. And you know, of course, I had never heard anything like this; it -hmm. it wasn't part of my background. I'm I'm very left brain, very analytical, and so um, you know, I was I was very intrigued by what he said, but also kind of dubious. So I went up to him afterward, and I. Introduced myself, and I said, you know, I would like to go on one of your trips sometime. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to India in about a month. Why don't you join me? Wow. And so, uh, so Chuck, I went on that first trip, my first four-mission trip ever to mm-hmm. India with this man, really out of curiosity and, and kind of a, as a doubting Thomas. Mm-hmm. I, I, I went with the mindset, if this is really true, if if God is doing miracles like this, I want to see it with my own eye. Mm-hmm. And so I went on this trip with him, and we had um, a healing crusade in the morning and one in the evening every day for 10 days. And there were 10,000 people at each crusade. Wow. And, Chuck, the only thing I can tell you is that that trip forever changed my life. I, I saw people get healed of blindness, deafness, paralysis, cancer, every kind of sickness and disease right in front of my eyes.
0: Have and you noticed? Was- have you noticed then how uh, the reports of healings like this are so uh, more prevalent in third world countries than they are in the Western world, and particularly in the United States?
1: Yes, and and I'm so glad you brought that up, because on the trip back from India, it took me three plane flights and and 36 hours to get back to America. And so I had a lot of time to process what I had seen, and I had a conversation with God that went something like this. God, that was amazing. I've never seen anything like that. That was was just mind-blowing. But why did I have to travel 8,000 miles across the earth to see that? Why don't I see miracles like that more often in America? And I felt like the Lord's response was quick and very clear in my spirit. Not not out loud, but, but very clear in my spirit. He said, it's because in America, people put their faith in... Um, Google, they put their faith in information and mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. They put their faith in doctors and medicine mm-hmm. instead of me.
0: Wow. Well, that's true, and uh, it's amazing. There, There is much more sensitivity in many of the third world countries to things of the spirit, now, not necessarily the spirit of God, but things that of the spirit. And so, yes. uh, for instance, yes. in Africa uh my own son-in-law uh his father was a chief in uh, one of the main tribes in uh, uh Ghana, West Africa. And he actually had to leave the chieftain role because it was causing him to compromise between the uh spiritism uh that was so deeply rooted in much African experience and the Christian faith. So These things are very real. And I think one of the things uh, that God does in areas where the gospel has not been, has not penetrated deeply is that he uses miracles of healing and other kinds of things like that as his promotional campaign to say, Hey, look, look, look. I am still God. I'm the one you need to hear. I am the source of salvation. What do you think?
1: Absolutely, Chuck. I mean, you know, it's it's you can go all the way back to the old testament where Elijah did that with the four hundred prophets of Baal. He said, You know, you, you four hundred prophets worship Baal. I worship the one and true living God. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna see who the who the real God is. And you remember the story they they uh they both made a sacrifice and Elijah kind of goaded them a little, and he said, "I tell you what, I'm going to pour water on mine, and I'm, going to, <laughs> I'm right. going to, I'm going to just douse it with water, and then I'm going to call down fire from heaven, and we're going to see which God burns up this sacrifice." And and that's, of course, we know the story, and we know what happened, but that that has always been um, God's model. To prove who he says he is. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, one of the primary things he did was heal people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, was, uh, you know, he did three primary things. He, he, He taught about the kingdom of God, he healed the sick, and he cast out demons. Now, he did other miracles like turning water into wine and walking on the water, but those three things were a core part of his ministry. And um, and the Bible says in Hebrews thirteen eight that Jesus is the same yesterday today
0: and forever. Well, his primary He's message was it. repent, and yes. uh, these other things were manifestations that the kingdom of God has come among you. That's, That's what right. it was all about. The kingdom of yes. God has now been revealed among you. Therefore, repent and believe the gospel. And so yes. that repent message is the glue. It's the binding message uh, that links the entire Bible together, uh, even up through uh, Revelation chapter 22. So here we are now. See, we're caught in the midst of time. For God, there is no time. But for us, we live in time and heading toward what we call eternity, even though we're already in that to a certain extent. So Jesus said, "The kingdom of God has come, but it hasn't come in its fullness yet. It, yes. we're, we're living in sort of a uh, a partial fulfillment of the kingdom of God, and miracles and healing and so on are part of the manifestation of that uh, the the kingdom that has come. But not everybody is healed, are they?
1: No, not everybody is healed." On this side of heaven, mm-hmm. and um, you know we don't know all the reasons for that. Um, well, wait know- a minute! I
0: thought you, with all of your knowledge as a lawyer, then and analyzing, you would have it all figured out.
1: <laughs> well, it's Chuck, but you know the the bottom line is we we're not going to be able to figure God out entirely. Mm-hmm. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Right you know he he has his own reasons for doing things or not doing things and um you know as i pointed out in in the book i, I have a whole section in there on w- when healing doesn't happen mm-hmm. this side of heaven because the ultimate healing is is going to heaven that's the ultimate healing and um i i know many people who had all the faith in the world and It was just their time to go. Um, You know, David said, you ordained all my days. You wrote all my days in your book before there was yet one. So I I believe God has an ordained number of days for each one of us, and sometimes it's just our time. You know, no, no matter how much faith we have. But it it doesn't um, negate the fact that God is still doing miracles today. I see it all the time.
0: Well, we we used to sing a song back in the 1960s, uh, Heaven is a Wonderful Place, Filled with Glory and Grace, I Want to See My Savior's Face, Heaven is a Wonderful Place. The problem is everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there.
1: Have you noticed that? (laughs) So
0: there is a sense in which we're we're here, but not all there yet. And uh, so it's in this we're here. Now what? Uh, This is what we're talking about here today. And you say that in the midst of this upheaval of uh, serious physical problems and uh, bad diagnoses and so on, there's a turmoil that can can rattle even the finest, strongest Christians uh, and lose their spiritual footing. But the scripture says that the spirit of man will sustain him in his sickness. So there's something about our attitude uh, that gives place uh, an environment for God to work his healing power in our lives, isn't there?
1: Absolutely. And Chuck, that is the key right there. That That is the key to the whole thing is that you know, God has given us the keys to healing in his book. And, you know, but it's up to us to apply those keys. It's up to us to be doers of the word. It's up to us to to operate in faith mm-hmm. and believe God for our healing. And, um, you know, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. That's what the word says. But, we have to, to feed our spirit every day and keep our spirit strong because nothing there there are few things that will challenge a person's faith like a serious illness. Yeah. Or or few things that'll wear you down spiritually, mentally and emotionally like battling a serious illness. So I tell people it's so important that you are proactive and that you you do things every day to feed your faith and to stay strong spiritually.
0: Well, the way we do that is through the word of God. David said, "I esteem your word as more important than my necessary food. Oh, how I love yeah. your law. It's my meditation day and night." And so this is how we do it. I like what you said. As long as you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for your life. The doctors don't have the final say. Nothing is over until God says it's over, so dare to believe God. That's what we want to focus now for the balance of the program, friends. Dare to believe God. We'll be right back.
2: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived, Save America Ministries' website at SaveUS.org.
0: Does God still heal? You bet he does. In fact, it's part of his very character. However, there are other facets, other aspects to the matter of healing in our time that uh, are important that we need to understand. And one of those is hope. Having hope is how you release your faith. In fact, faith, is said, is the substance of things hoped for. So you can't have faith without first having hope. Hope is the oxygen of faith. It's confident expectation so we have to have that confident expectation now here's the problem friends and i want to give you a little story out of my own life just as uh, steve austin has given out of his i grew up in the evangelical church my father was a pastor for 50 years and uh in a number of different denominations all uh, traditional evangelical and conservative so we believed in, my father said, he believed in the Bible from cover to cover in the cover too. Well, yes, but how do you believe the Bible? How do you see God as revealed in the Bible? Well, my understanding was revealed in most prayer meetings on Wednesday night, which I attended for umpteen years, 18 years of my life. And... The, pre, the the primary subjects for every prayer in a prayer meeting were finances and health. Finances and health. But as I listened to the prayers of people, it was almost as if they were wishes, but they didn't have any strong hope. There was no sense of real expectation that God would heal, that God would provide, but we're going to ask him anyway. Well, one day, uh, a contractor that had been to our home uh, to fix a problem invited me to go to a, uh, a businessman's gathering. It wasn't a CBMC gathering, but it was a businessman's gathering for a weekend. And they called it, they didn't call it a retreat, they called it an advance. So I'd never seen such a thing before, and I went there, and uh, reluctantly I said, I can't afford it. Uh, And he said, well, I'll pay your way. So what could I do? So I went, and in the course of that week, I heard the word of God presented in a way that I had never heard before. I had been to all kinds of camp meetings, all kinds of evangelistic crusades. You name it, I'd been there. But I'd never heard the word of God presented in the way that I did there. In other words, that you could actually take God at his word. So one of the things that was said was the Bible says that, uh, or Jesus actually said, that uh, uh, if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And I thought, you know what? I've never done that before, and uh, I haven't seen that as a common practice uh, anywhere in the churches that I've been with. Lots of prayer, but very little laying on of hands. so we came home, and... uh, The first person I met was my four-year-old daughter. She had a horrible, ongoing problem with desperate allergic reaction to anything of milk derivative. And I do mean anything. Lecithin, uh, her health was so bad, her eyes were sunken deep in their sockets. She had had to been rushed into the hospital many times in the middle of the night to have adrenaline pumped into her heart to save her. So we I come home, and my daughter comes down the stairs, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit quickens me and said, Son, did you hear what I said? These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I said, Oh, okay, Lord. I do believe, help thou my unbelief, but I do believe. So I called my wife, Steve, and we came and laid hands on our daughter, never having prayed like this before. And immediately after we prayed for her healing, Nicole turned to us and said, can I have a chocolate cookie? Well, she knew that chocolate cookies had milk in them. Nobody else knew that, but she did. And it would send her into a spiral of terrible sickness. So we looked at one another and we said, now what do we do? And so we said, well, sweetheart, don't you think we ought to go a little slower on this? And here was her four-year-old response. She kind of put her foot down. She says, you don't really believe do that I'm healed, do you? <laughs> wow. Talk about having your faith challenged.
1: The, the faith of a child. So
0: yes. we gave her the chocolate cookie. She had no reaction. The next Sunday in the evening, we took a family out that had two young ladies her age, and we celebrated her healing with her first bowl of ice cream and her first glass of milk. She never had another reaction to milk products, ever. Wow. To this wow. day, she just turned 50. Mm. Do you think that got my attention?
1: Story. Yes, it, yeah, I'm sure it did.
0: Could I say and, and that, that every other person I ever laid hands on uh, was healed in the same way? No. I can't. Right. But Kathy right. and I are absolutely convinced God healed that young lady. Yes. And everybody sure. in our large and growing church knew that.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: What do you make of that? Yeah, and,
1: You know, Chuck, that's that's why I became, that's why I shifted from law into ministry. You know, I, I, I saw the healing power of God, the miracle-working power of God, and it shattered the little religious box that I had God in. Mm-hmm. And, and there was no way that I could put that genie back in the bottle. I had seen the power of God and there, there's just nothing that that compares to that and I've seen it countless times over the years. Um, God is at work today. He's healing today. and one of my favorite scriptures is um, Mark 9:23. And it's it's the scripture that I put in every book that I sign for people. Mm. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things
0: Things are possible
1: possible to him who believes.
0: If you can believe. Mm.
1: Correct. So he put it back on us. He He said, if you can believe all things, not some things, not most things, all things are possible to him who believes.
0: So why aren't all healed then?
1: Well, yeah, you know, I was just about to say it doesn't mean that we're going to bat a thousand. Nobody bats a thousand. We're, you know, we have we have a measure of of the power that Jesus had. He gave it to us. He said, "I'm going to be with my Father in heaven," but in in John fourteen twelve, he said, "Those who believe." will do the same works that I did, and mm-hmm. greater works will they do, and you will lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. But we're not Jesus. We have a measure of the of, of the power that he gave us, but we're not going to bat a thousand. Um, you All know, right, so just
0: because, so- are you saying that just because I have uh, faith, even as a grain of mustard seed, uh, and I appear to many to have great faith, that that doesn't mean... That uh, uh, everybody I touch or pray for is going to be healed.
1: Correct, because look, faith is the most powerful thing in the world because faith is what connects us with God Almighty, mm-hmm. and faith is what moves God to act. But but we're not going to bat a thousand because we're not we, we don't take God's sovereignty away. Just because we have faith, God is going to respond to our faith, and, and we're going to see Him do a lot of miracles. But in in the final analysis, He is sovereign. And when He's when when He's ready, now to when, he, when
0: you say He's home, sovereign, uh, what you're really saying He's God. He's God. He's God.
1: <laughs> and you know, and and His ways are not our ways, and mm-hmm. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and His will will. will Will be done. Our faith is not about um, is not about supplanting God's will. It's about getting in agreement with God's will. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is God's will to heal. Sometimes He heals the ultimate way by by taking someone home, but um, but oftentimes He heals on earth. Yeah but it's ultimately so
0: we're all going to meet an eternal destiny and uh, uh even Lazarus that God that Jesus healed eventually died so right. uh the only ones that are not going to die are those that are here when Christ returns and uh that's it's it's an amazing picture we're we're here but not all there so to speak the kingdom of God is here but not in its complete fullness yet You say in your book, and I love this, we do our part, but God is still God. He's sovereign. Sometimes we don't get the results we're hoping for, but it doesn't mean we did anything wrong, that God is uncaring or that he has let us down. It just means he had a different plan than ours, and we have to be at peace with that even when we don't understand it. We have to let God be God. And another reason... Not everyone gets healed on earth is because this world is not our home, and our life here is temporary. I thought that brought a, a good balance there. Uh, one of the problems that we faced uh, is in the 1970s particularly, and into the 1980s, uh, we had the charismatic movement that metastasized into the word faith movement. And as a result of those two things, and particularly the word faith movement, people began to worship their worship and worship faith. Rather than worshiping God, they began to worship faith. They put all their confidence in faith rather than the God of faith. And uh, it's isn't it interesting how the enemy, Satan, will twist the most important and wonderful things in the word of God into fleshly orientation, so even faith was twisted into what can I get rather than how right. can I best worship God?
1: Yeah, that is so true uh, and it's so you put that so well, Chuck. Um, you know we can make that the devil is so crafty and so sly. you know if he can just twist it a little bit and just give get us off the mark a little bit, then, then you know he can he can really get us fouled up um, but faith is not to be an idol um, it, what what we want is not to become an idol um, Faith is a, a very powerful tool that God has given us but but like I said um, you know even Jesus said Lord or, he said father let this cup pass from me." But not my will be done,
0: your will be done. Exactly. We'll be right back after this. Have you ever considered what the early church was like?
2: But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click sell church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click sell church.
0: The Apostle John said this He said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Yet the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. So here's the question. Jesus responded, obviously, to the apostles saying, Well, if you just had faith as a grain of mustard seed. But what does that mean? How can we increase our faith? Every one of us is given a measure of faith. But then again, faith is something that has to be exercised like a muscle. If you don't exercise your faith, it dwindles and atrophies. How can we exercise our faith, which is a living faith? It's for all of our life, not just to get healed, but to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you're going to need that faith, friends, to resist the coming counterfeit Christ and his mark. You're going to need that kind of faith. But in the meantime, many are sick and need faith. They need faith their own faith, and they need your faith to come alongside. So the question now is, for the next couple of minutes, and then we're going to move very quickly here, because I want you to know that Steve's book, uh, God Heals, is about many things. In fact, he says eight keys to defeat sickness and receive divine healing. $16 is going to put the $18 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Okay, unleashing the power of faith. We need to keep the word always before our eyes, don't we, Steve?
1: Absolutely, Chuck. That's how we we feed our faith, like I was talking about earlier. It's so important that, that every day we feed our faith because... There's so many things in the world that are that are trying to diminish our faith. You know, the news every day and just the circumstances in the world and just life itself, um, just, you know, they, they can diminish our faith. So we have to be proactive about keeping our faith strong. And one of the ways we do that is to stay in the word
0: of God. All right. And what does that mean? Here's the problem. People say, oh, yeah, I believe the word. Well, what do you mean by that well i i yeah i believe the bible i believe in god i believe in jesus i believe the bible i uh go to uh my atmosphere is highest and take a little gospel uh every once in a while no that's not what yeah. god is saying david right. a man after god's own heart said oh how i love your word yeah. it is my meditation day and night he says I meditate on your word and I delight in it. I meditate and I delight. I meditate and I delight. This has to be foremost in our minds and hearts, doesn't it, Steve?
1: Yeah, it sure does. Um, You know, there there has been kind of an, an anemia in the church today of people just being overly busy and overly distracted and sort of, giving God just, just a few minutes of casual time in the morning. I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, I, I, I spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes in the morning. And and I think, I think, you know, if we would give more time to just reading God's Word and renewing our mind and feeding our faith and just spending time with God, and I'm not saying hours and hours. I know we're all busy and we, we have things to do. But if we would give God our first fruits in the morning and just give him some extra time and, and feed ourselves the word of God and renew our mind and build our faith with the word of God, we would see things uh, transform in our lives so much.
0: Well, it would be also if we put the word on our own tongue. Uh, the Bible yeah, says absolutely. death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that eat it shall, uh, shall eat the fruit thereof. Uh, I I believe that words are like uh, faith molecules. They are seed bags. They're seeds, and they hold the treasure of truth and faith. And so uh, by your words, Jesus said, you should be justified, and by your words, you should be condemned. We don't give much credibility to our words uh, and we, we don't give much credibility to make sure that our words align with God's word, do we?
1: No, and that's, that is one of the biggest keys to victory in life, not just for healing. I have a whole chapter about it in, in my book, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really a key to victory in life. Um, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I don't know any greater power than the power of death and life. And that's what God said. He put that power in our tongue. Um, You know, God created the whole universe with his mouth, with his words. He said, let there be, let there be. And the whole universe came into existence out of nothing. And the Bible says that he created us in his image Mm -hmm. and likeness. And he put power in our mouth. And so our, we, we have to understand that our words have incredible power. And, you know, so many times... When
0: they align with God's word. Right, mm. right.
1: You know, they, they, well, they have power. 18, Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death. And, and, life. Life and the power of the power.
0: Exactly.
1: And and those who love it will eat its fruit.
0: Well, let's let's so, give an application for this, because this is really critical. When God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, remember, they were all the seed of Abraham, uh, heirs according to the promise. But, uh, they began to bellyache, began to murmur, began to complain. Right. God put up with it right. for a while. Moses put up with it for a while. He demonstrated his power. He demonstrated miracles, but they still continued to bur- murmur and, and bellyache. And finally, God said, away with you. Uh, you are not qualified to enter into my, uh, my promised land because you'll defile it. So yes. he said, Every single one of you of accountable age that came out of Egypt are not going to make it. You're going to go back to Egypt uh, in spirit. You're going to die in the wilderness. You're going to get what you asked for. You're going to get what you've been cro- complaining about. Uh, and there were only two men who spoke and agreed with what God had said, notwithstanding the difficulties of entering the promised land. And they were Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says they had another spirit. That's right so that's do you know the Apostle Paul spoke to that in first Corinthians 10 or second Corinthians 10 he said those things happen to them for our example unto whom the ends of the world are come therefore take heed what happened to them doesn't happen to you that's right that's right This is a big deal isn't it
1: yeah you know this concept of the power of our words is repeated over and over and over again in the Bible in the in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and that story you just shared is an example. The Bible says that God heard their complaints in their tents. And he he said, I. he told Moses, he said, you tell the people, I've heard your complaints. And as you have spoken in my presence, so shall it be done to you.
0: Whoa.
1: I mean, that is. That's tough that's, talk that's, for
0: troubled times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is
1: that's, that's a very sobering statement.
0: Yeah. Um so, how about so, when we pray yeah. to God then? Uh because you know they were belly aching, they were complaining. Uh if we come to God with belly aching and complaining, uh that's not likely to move the father's heart, is it?
1: Not at all, not at all. You know, the Bible says in James 5:16 that the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. That qualifier, effective, that word effective, the mm-hmm. effective prayer of a righteous man, means that there's also ineffective prayer. Right. And, and um, we pray ineffective prayers when we whine, when we bellyache, when we complain, when we come to God with our laundry list of problems. First of all, he already knows our problems, so, so, telling God what he already knows in terms of our problems is not going to move the needle. It's just going to keep us stuck where we are.
0: Well, he says so, to remind him of his word, to remind right. him of his promises. That's one of the exactly. things that I do uh, in prayer. Uh, and I'm just flesh and blood like you are. But uh, I've found that God wants me to remind him I'm his son, he's my father. And fathers like to be reminded uh, by their kids, uh, "Hey, Dad, you said." Yes,
1: yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, he he um, he didn't say, "Remind me of my word," because he has a bad memory. <laughs> he, 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 he 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 he. You know, he the this is the thing. God is not bound by anything but His word. Mm-hmm. His His word is his covenant, his contract with us. Um, you're an attorney, so you understand contracts. It is his contract with us, and he's not bound by our words or by anybody else's words, but he is bound by his word. Mm-hmm. And right. so that's that's why he wants us to come. He likes to hear his word repeated back to him. And so if you hear me pray... Um, about 90% of my prayers are just repeating scriptures back to God and saying, you know, father, you said, Lord, your word says, you know, and I just repeat his word back to it. Yeah. That, that is, um, let me just say this, that is praying the prop, the promise instead of the problem. Exactly. We don't. Yeah.
0: That's exactly right. You mentioned James there where he says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The one word that you didn't mention uh, in particular was the word righteous. Righteousness yes. is a, uh, another way to put it is right standing before God. Yes. And as you yes. know, as an attorney, a, a court of equity has no responsibility to hear your case if you come to the court with unclean hands. Yes. Unclean yes. hands. So how many people are crying out to God for their healing, but they're not walking in righteousness? They're walking in unrighteousness. They're walking in sin. They're walking in rebellion. They're walking in stubbornness and pride. Uh, I think the the first thing we got to do is clean up our act uh, before God. I mean, actually, James says, submit to God and then resist the devil. Most people want to resist the devil and refuse to submit to God. What do you think?
1: Yes, absolutely. And you know, you, yeah, exactly. You know, you, you said at the beginning of the program, you talked about repentance mm-hmm. and how you know Jesus Jesus preached repentance. Um, so did John the Baptist before him. But repentance is, it, repentance is a very critical thing, and I believe it's something we should do every morning. Exactly. Every, you know, we, we I, I believe we should keep short accounts with God. Um, we're not going to be perfect. None of us is perfect, and we're going to sin. We sin in ways we're not even aware of sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, just our, our internal attitudes or thoughts or whatever. So I just think it's important every morning to just come before God and, and first thing, you know, not not in a condemning way or a guilty way, but just come before God and say, God, I repent for every sin that I've committed, and I just ask for your forgiveness and ask you to cleanse me with the blood of Jesus and just cleanse me of all unrighteousness, like your word says in 1 John one nine.
0: You know what? A lot of people want to confess all their sins. They just don't want to confess the one they want to hold on to. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me all my sins, Lord, and then forget about the one... That, uh, is the big kahuna in their life. And that's where we really need to get specific. We need to come before the Lord. He can, he, he, through his Holy Spirit, he convicts us of unrighteousness, uh, of particular areas of sin. And that's what we confess before him. And when we do that with honesty and humility, uh, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin, cleanses from all unrighteousness. And it creates an environment of trust and faith and love and peace and righteousness and holiness and that's the environment in which god as a father wants to act to bring healing isn't it
1: absolutely and i want to go back real quick to what the, the story you shared earlier about you got to make woman, it quick okay that you went to see in the hospital and she said nope i'm not going to forgive my sister i just refuse to do it mm. that's an example of you know holding on to a sin and We just have to let go of of everything that is holding us back from what God wants to do in our lives.
0: Absolutely, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us. You and I could talk for hours, I know, uh, concerning this and, and provide all kinds of applications. The book, friends, God Heals. $16 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1 800 SAVE USA, write to us. Become a partner, friend. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by
2: the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.